the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Wednesday, May 11th, 2022. An art dealer in New York City tweeted this this morning. Quote, what did the world think was going to happen when they shut things down for years? Now we're seeing war, economic collapse, food shortages, massive learning loss, strange disease. We should have followed advice from the scientists who kept their cool. This was avoidable, close quote. Teacher Union President Randy Weingarten said on Tuesday in a meeting on children's education challenges, quote, our kids are in crisis. And we had a mental health crisis before COVID, but for two years of disruption, two years of looking at the screens, two years of not having a normal kind of routine and rhythm, recovery is going to be really tough. It's not a shock that a lot of kids, frankly, a lot of adults are still under tremendous stress and anxiety, close quote. No, it's not a shock because a lot of us told you this again and again throughout 2020 and 2021, and you did not care. In fact, you are like an arsonist who is complaining about house fires. Corey DeAngelis, National Director of Research at the American Federation for Children, described her remarks, Randy Weingarten's remarks, as peak gaslighting. Teachers unions fought to keep public schools closed for over a year. At least six studies have found that school districts with stronger teachers unions were significantly less likely to reopen in person. These union-induced school closures hurt kids socially, mentally, and academically. Randy Weingarten's union even lobbied the CDC on keeping schools closed, writing the language the CDC adopted. Teachers unions constantly engaged in fear-mongering and hypocrisy, while private schools, daycares, and other businesses were reopening. Of course this was all avoidable. But Randy Weingarten gave in to the paranoid fears of her adult dues payers, even as study after study showed schools were at the lowest of institutions transmitting to children covid and the least susceptible children being the least susceptible in our population in obtaining, getting sick from, and transmitting COVID in schools. The least. You know what really ticks me off? Everyone likes to talk about teachable moments. What is the teachable moment here? Advise and demand bad ideas? Protect adults at the expense of children? And then blame everyone but yourself for the problems you were part and parcel of creating? Is the teachable moment to avoid responsibility? Is that a lesson the teachers union of all places, of all institutions, is trying to communicate? Is that the lesson anyone involved in anything called or related to education should be communicating? The avoidance of responsibility? Used to be the first thing we taught our children. Tell the truth and take responsibility for your actions. You get this everywhere from the oldest education primers in print to Robert Fulgham's kindergarten bestseller, to every book on virtues ever written. William Bennett wrote this on the virtue of taking responsibility. To respond is to answer. 
Correspondingly, to be responsible is to be answerable, to be accountable. Irresponsible behavior is immature behavior. Taking responsible, excuse me, taking responsibility, being responsible is a sign of maturity. When we strive to help our children become responsible persons, we are helping them in their maturity. James Madison delimited the parameters of responsibility with his characteristic clarity in Federalist Number 63. Quote, responsibility, in order to be responsible, must be limited to objects within the power of the responsible party, and in order to be effectual, must relate to operations of that power. Close quote. Persons who have not reached maturity have not yet come into full ownership of their powers, which is why adults must model responsibility to them. It is a truism that everything which has ever been done in the history of the world has been done by somebody. Some person has exercised some power to do it. Our share of the responsibility for what we do individually or in concert with others varies with the social, political structures within which we operate. But it characteristically increases with maturity. Characteristically. But not in the age we live in now where we have and are governed by too many children in adult bodies. This lesson has been with us for some time. It was an immature Adam in the Garden of Eden who, when discovered to have eaten of the forbidden fruit, laid the responsibility on Eve. And it was an immature Eve who, in turn, laid it on the beguiling serpent. She made me do it. He made me do it. It's an an archetypal drama reenacted in every generation where siblings and playmates are called upon to answer for their misdoings. Evidently not adults. But it doesn't stop there. An unwitting acknowledgement of this sort of immaturity commonly continues on into adulthood. Nearly everyone has an excuse when things go wrong. In Washington, D.C., common parlance makes ample use of the passive voice to avoid blame. Mistakes were made. But there is no rush to take responsibility ever. There is no shortage of persons ready to claim credit for contributing to an enterprise that goes well. However, even though a maximum, excuse me, even though a maxim familiar to persons in public service observes that there is no end to the good you can do if you don't care who gets credit for it. That was on Ronald Reagan's Oval Office desk. It's also on my boss's and general manager, Jim Ryan's desk as well. In the end, we are answerable for the kinds of persons we have made of ourselves. That's just the way I am is not an excuse for inconsiderate or vile behavior, nor nor is it even an accurate description, for we are never just what we are. As Aristotle was among the first to insist, we become what we are as persons by the decisions that we ourselves make. Mary Midgley, a British philosopher, points out in beast and man, that the really excellent and central point of existentialism is the acceptance of responsibility for being as we've made ourselves, the refusal to make bogus excuses. Soren Kierkegaard, one of existentialism's 19th century pioneers, deplored the damaging effects of crowds and gangs on our sense of responsibility. A crowd, he wrote, in its very concept— is the untruth by reason of the fact that it renders the individual completely impenitent and irresponsible, or at least weakens his sense of responsibility by reducing it to a fraction. In his confessions, Augustine made the weakened, made, made this weakened sense of responsibility under peer pressure a central feature of his meditation upon the 
vandalism of his youth, all because we are ashamed to hold back when others say, come on, let's do it. But he was as as insistent as Aristotle and the existentialists on recognizing personal responsibility for what he had done. A weakened sense of responsibility does not weaken the fact of responsibility. Responsible persons are mature people who have taken charge of themselves and their conduct, who own their actions and own up to them, who answer for them. We help foster a mature sense of responsibility in the same way that we help cultivate other desirable traits by practice and example. Household chores, homework, extracurricular activities, after-school jobs, volunteer work, all of these things contribute to maturation if parental example and expectations are clear consistent and commensurate with the developing powers of the child. Does this apply any of it to our medical, political, education leadership that gave us the baleful consequences from COVID lockdowns, those of us predicted, but were called names and silenced and censored for predicting? And is nothing to be done? Is the least amount of responsibility going to come from those who put children in fear in order to slake and soothe the paranoia of adults? How about the president of the United States, who in his campaign in the very final debate with Donald Trump said, quote, 220,000 Americans dead. If you hear nothing else I say tonight, hear this. Anyone who's responsible for not taking control, in fact, saying I take no responsibility, anyone responsible for that many deaths should not remain as president of the United States of America. Close quote. That was Joe Biden seeking the office he now has. Now, a few things about that quote. One, he said it before there was a vaccine. Two, it was in the first year of covid Three, Joe Biden became president with a year of learning on COVID. And four, was sworn in as president with a vaccine available to the public that his predecessor did not have access to. And since he became president, Joe Biden has presided over 625,000 deaths due to COVID. Again, with a year of learning and a vaccine. That's a nearly 200% higher death count under Joe Biden than Donald Trump. In other words, 200 times more disqualifying for the man who created the yardstick and judgment of said disqualification. All the while using the word responsible and mentioning the import of taking responsibility three times in two sentences in creating this measurement on Donald Trump. What would that responsibility look like now? Over 600,000 deaths compared to 220,000. It looked like President Kamala Harris, I guess. And by the way, what did happen to COVID? Is it gone? Did we banish it from our country? Can't possibly be, can it? I mean, the CDC reported yesterday there were 118,000 new cases in this country, which is more than the average throughout October of 2020, the month before the presidential election. And last month... There were days with more COVID-related deaths, according to the CDC, than some days in October 2020, the month before the presidential election. As for that vaccine mandate by your employer or your government, here's today's headline from the Wall Street Journal I'd like you to chew on. Quote, COVID-19 cases rise in parts of the U.S. with highest vaccination rates. Close quote. 
Shall I repeat that? COVID-19 cases rise in the parts of the United States with the highest vaccination rates. But, you know, that crisis is over. Not a mask to be seen at the White House Correspondents' Dinner two weekends ago. Not a peep from the president or the press secretary on COVID. Not a shaming sign or message from a state government to be seen. You know why? Because it all worked. As Jane Fonda said the quiet part out loud two years ago. Quote, COVID was God's gift to the left. Close quote. She said that after the election. COVID was God's gift to the left. Good thing adults are back in charge, right? Taking responsibility, acting with accountability, and not politicizing an illness as they beg for more money to build the house they themselves burned down while we were rushing in with fire hoses only to be stymied by their stumbling blocks. For want of a nail, a shoe was lost. For want of a shoe, a horse was lost. For want of a horse, a battle was lost. For want of a battle, a kingdom was lost. And all for the want of a horseshoe nail. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Doug is in Carefree. Hello, Doug. Welcome. Hi, Seth. Good to talk to you again. You too. Um, or, or, um, sorry, this isn't exactly on your monologue, but... Uh, Doug, you know my saying here, everything, it's all our territory. Everything relates to everything around here. Don't you worry about that. Well, well thank, thank you for your indulgence. You bet. I believe you were talking to John Hindenrocker about protests and and riots. Yeah. Um, you know, you'd hope that the summer of 2020 was in the rearview mirror. Un- unfortunately, the, uh, the 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 left and the Democratic Party is using um, the playbook that the uh, National Democratic Socialist Workers Party of Germany of the 1930s used um, leading up to the 1932 election that got uh, Adolf elected as chancellor, um, the brown shirts went into the streets and fought the communists. Um, and then National Socialist um, biased newspapers reported that the communists started the street altercation. Of course. And this went on for uh, the two years prior to the 1932 plebiscite, you know, the election. Hitler gets inaugurated as chancellor, and then I guess, I don't know if it was nine or ten months later. It was surely, are you thinking about the Reichstag fire of 33? It was shortly after, yeah, if that's where you were going. Yes, the Reichstag's fire, and then post-Reichstag's fire, you had the passage of the Enabling Act, which essentially said that any diktat from the chancellor became law. Yeah, And so... um, this, this isn't a bug in the system. This is the software firmware that the Democratic Party has adopted yes. to essentially nullify elections, mm-hmm. you know, or not, not nullify, but to make them um, cursory or perfunctory. Yeah, or, uh-huh. um, yeah. You know, just, just matters of form. Over, over. Yeah, just matters of form, not matters of meaning. Yeah. Right. Um, Alaska is 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 having a 100 percent mail-in uh, balloting uh, process for its its uh, primaries. 
And unfortunately, you know, we've seen what can be done when you have 100% mail-in balloting. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I, I'm supposed to go see the uh, the documentary from Dinesh D'Souza, 2,000 Mules, on the 22nd, I believe it is, uh-huh. when he's in town. Uh-huh. And uh, But what I've read about it is basically when they geolocated these phones, you had, you know, people stuffing ballot boxes. Mm-hmm. And so in a county that went one way or the other with around 10,000 votes, it's completely plausible to say that, you know, that template is going to be used again, at least in the blue states that didn't uh, adopt any election integrity, you know, and then it was humorous for the, for the left to call the red states that did adopt election integrity that they were trying to support to do voter suppression that's right um you know it, it's so so all of these measures and and, and can i add one more I, doug can i add one more to this toxic oh, sure. confluence of comparisons you're making between uh pre-hitler germany and what we're going through today the saturation Absolutely. over the issue of preferred race Race was yeah, all over uh, the idea behind the Third Reich, just as it is all over the idea behind the Democratic Party here today. There are favored and unfavored races in this country once again. Yes, yes there are. And, and, and what, what's bizarre— In fact, I'll go is, further. The left in this country has convinced a lot of this country that race determines thought. That was yes, the have. ethos of Nazi Germany. And, and But, but what— what is just absolutely creating cognitive dissonance in my mind is that, okay, if you're a black person, you can commit crime and we're not supposed to hold you to account, but yet we encourage your mothers to abort you where there, there are, you know, 10 million, 15 million fewer black people today than there would have been if, you know, I mean, Margaret Sanger is just singing, you know, yeah, I, I, you know, I, 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 during the Black Lives Matter move, Black Lives Matters, Black Lives Matter movement, um, there was one institution that did something good. It was a bad institution that did a semi decent thing, and it was the Planned Parenthood, uh, in, uh, or uh, Planned Parenthood in Manhattan, New York. They had Margaret Sanger's name over the top of it, the Margaret Sanger Center. They took that down. They took that down. A bad organization could do a good thing once in a while. It didn't make big news. You can imagine why. You can you can understand why it didn't make a lot of news. It wasn't in the interest of the elite media, the corporate media, and the elites generally to promote the notion that if you care about, about black lives, you have to care about abortion. Doug, i got to take a quick break. You're welcome to stay, and we can further converse over this. I have a lot to say about it. I'm sure you have more as well. I think you're putting your finger on something really important here. Um, it's, it's, it's singing the song I've been singing for some time, generally put this way. You may not generally care about political philosophy, but it cares about you. And you're seeing it now. I'm Seth Liebson. Doug, welcome to stay. We'll be right back. 602-508-0960. Portions of the show are brought to you by the good people of Balance of Nature. They are good people who make a great product. Speaking of the good, 
I'll talk to you a little bit more about it in the very nearest of futures. They're doing a neat project on helping teach American history to as many people as they can, knowing that that's a threat to our body politic. As to your physical body, Balance of Nature is right there for you with their fruits and veggies. I take them every day, one daily dose. I just take it once a day, one daily dose. You get 10 servings of fruits and vegetables, 100% natural. From the capsules they're in to the products inside them. Third-party tested for any manner of pesticides, metals, you name it. It is all natural. The only whole food product that is 100% natural on the market. Pure, potent plant power. Check them out at balanceofnature.com. Their fruits and veggies. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. Doug and Carefree, you still there, brother? Uh, yes, sir, I am. Go ahead. Uh, you were talking about analogs between tyrannies of yore and today uh, vesting in the Democratic Party. Uh, feel free to weigh in on anything I responded with or any further thoughts you had. Um, yeah, earlier you were you were talking about the, uh, the the drug epidemic that's going on. Yes, sir. And and, and again, that that's that's not that, that's not a problem for the left. Um, uh, the whole disruption of societal norm, you know, goes back to um, he was an ex-KGB officer. I believe he gave a speech in 84. I know who you mean. I can't come up with his name. I've seen it. I know exactly what you're talking about. Keep going. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But but basically he said, you know, the maskarovka, the deception, the disruption, you know, the societal breakdown is purposeful, you know, and, and, and for us, you know, because we're constitutionalists and we're rule of law folks, you know, we see, oh, this can't be, you know, no one would do this. Well, unfortunately, it's right staring us in the face. I mean, when, when you open the border and allow fentanyl to flood the border, you know, and, and it's just not in the form of fentanyl. It's it's marijuana laced with fentanyl. It's heroin laced with fentanyl. It's cocaine Pills identified as other things laced with fentanyl. That's yes. how Prince died. He thought he yes. was taking a certifiable drug. Yes, it, it's it, it's counterfeit. Yep. It's counterfeit drugs that look like prescription drugs right. that are then, then plussed up with fentanyl. Yep. And fentanyl is a very powerful drug. It takes very little to actually couple milligrams. You know, cut off. Yep. Couple, yes, it's it's amazingly powerful drug. But the the point being is that the societal disruption serves a purpose to get you to a place where your population is clamoring for someone to stop the craziness. Mm-hmm. And we saw that. Okay, Joe Biden lunch. Lunch pale Joe from Scranton, you know, I'm not a socialist. I'm going to make it all better. Well, that's why you had BLM and Antifa riots. You know, you had the courthouse in Portland under siege for like six weeks or however long it was or six months. I mean, Portland is still, you know, just a, 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 a crazy clown show. Have you seen Seattle lately? Social justice craziness. Have you seen Seattle? Seattle I mean, yes. Right. Yes. It, all, all these big cities that have these Soros-backed, you know, DAs mm-hmm. that are essentially saying, you know, you know, no cash bail, blah, you know, it's, it's just, it, it, it's, our side will say, okay, well, that's a problem, and, you know, it, 
at some point that the local people will fix that. Well, the local people elected George Gasco. That's right. The local people elected Chase Bodine. I'm not sure if that's exactly how you pronounce it. They reelected the or at least people. preserved the tenure of Gavin Newsom when they had the opportunity to turn him out, right? Yes, they did. And, 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 um, and, and, and yes, there may be a red wave on, the, you know, uh, on the horizon, but it's going to take, you know, legion. It's going to take. It's just not one one cycle is not going to fix things, and my fear is that people will not have sufficient courage and self uh, strength, inner strength, to kind of ride out the nastiness that will be the next couple of election cycles. Yeah. It's not I mean, easy to it, be called it, a racist all the time. I get it. It's it's not easy to raise your voice up against um, up against a culture that tells you you're wrong. I, I have some thoughts about that, Doug. I'll share with you when we come back. I'm Seth Leibson, and we will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. If you are looking for a remarkable investment opportunity, really great and unique return for investors, I want you to check out my friends at Y Refi. As I say, they are my friends. I've spent a lot of time with them. They are offering a fixed, no-load interest rate up to 10.25% for investors, all in a collateralized and secure portfolio. Why Refi helps people who are doing their best to dig out of debt and doing so the right way by doing the right thing and paying off their debts, helping them do so with dignity, even getting their FICO scores fixed along the way. Why Refi is a due diligence-approved firm run by, as I say, really good people who are doing very well by helping others. And you can, too, do very well and help others as well. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's the word invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, investyrefi.com. You can also call them at 855-316-3087. They're based here locally. You can go visit them. They're happy to talk about what they do. They will not give you a sales pitch, of course, unless you ask for one. They're just happy and proud of what they do and happy and proud to talk about it. They're in the business. Why Refi is in the business of helping people that others won't. You can be to investyrefi.com or call them at 855-316-3087. Tacking on to what Doug and Carefree had just called about, there's a lot there. Uh, and I have subsumed it in this notion that you may not be interested in political philosophy. It's interested in you. And it's part and parcel of what we are struggling w- with, what we are up against when we are up against um, the elite culture, uh, which is the echo chamber of the Democratic Party, which has become the precinct and vouchsafe for the most left-wing ethos of a major political party in American history. Think about it this way. If you want, just I've done this example before. I'll do it again. If you have a better one, I'm open to it. But if you want to understand how far the Democratic Party has moved, think about other examples, analogs to what we've been going through the past few years. Uh, They existed. Uh, They existed with the riots in the late 1960s and early 1970s with the Black Black Panthers and the Weather Underground. And there was an elite culture uh, that tried to support them, too, most famously documented 
by the novelist Tom Wolfe in his essay, Radical Chic. He was describing a fundraising party for the Black Panthers at his uh, at his uh, apartment in uh, in New York. And uh, who, who, who threw the party? Leonard Bernstein, uh, one of the most culturally elite, recognizable figures uh, in America at the time, famous musician and conductor. And what was interesting about that and the effort of the Weather Underground and the Black Panthers, uh, think about your Bill Ayers if you want, is that the Democrats wanted nothing to do with it. The Democrats who were involved in electoral politics in any event wanted nothing to do with it. You didn't hear kind words or countenance of those movements from your George McGoverns or your Ed Muskies. You didn't hear it from your Robert Kennedys. You didn't hear it from your Sergeant Shrivers. You didn't hear it from your Ted Kennedys. You didn't hear it from your Jimmy Carters. You didn't hear it from your Tom Eagletons. None of them wanted anything to do with that. Fast forward to their modern analogs today. BLM, somewhat spread out, then diagrammed with Antifa. And you have a very, very, very different Democratic Party that is willing not only to march with them, but to raise funds and encourage their rioting. Kamala Harris did both. Nancy Pelosi has done both. A socialist wanted to run as a, as a, as a Democrat. The Democratic Party wanted nothing to do with it. Socialists who are proud to say they are socialists, from AOC to Rashida Tlaib to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, all had primary challengers in the last election cycle within the Democratic Party. The House Democratic uh, Congressional Committee and Nancy Pelosi all endorsed the socialists and funded their campaigns, not the primary challengers who were of the traditional ilk of the Democratic Party. That's how far it's moved. That's, that's one point I want to make. The other, tacking off what Doug said, the political philosophy of it all. Whence, whence comes this obsession with race? Where did it come from? We have seen it before. A lot of us thought we defeated it at Nuremberg, the idea that race determines thought or that some people of some races deserve better than other people of other races, that we judge people that what we judge people by race here in this country, that race has some significance. We spent at least 200 years trying to get rid of that notion, at least 200 years trying to get rid of that notion, finally doing so in the culmination of the 1964 Civil Rights Act, which was the purpose of Martin Luther King's march in Washington, the year prior, in 1963, people forget about why he was marching. It was to get the Civil Rights Act, which said you could not discriminate based on someone's race, religion, national origin. Only for today, only for today, us to do exactly that which he fought against. On top of which, we get, yes, a third point, crisis upon crisis upon crisis from the crisis industrial complex. Things are always horrible here. Always horrible. Always. We're always on the eve of destruction. There will always, things are always horrible. And as soon as you are bored or saturated with crisis A, we will immediately jump you to crisis B. All of this comes down from Karl Marx's notion of the permanent 
revolution. There's another element of political philosophy people aren't familiar with. By the way, they want to know where the idea of the disappearance of, excuse me, where the disappearance of the, the disruption of the Western family comes from in the Black Lives Matter movement catalog. Comes out of Chapter 2 of the Communist Manifesto where Karl Marx writes that it is the family that needs to be disrupted for the revolution to take place. How does he suggest they do it? How does he suggest they do it? Social education is how he suggests they do it. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Covered a lot of territory here today. I want to thank you all uh, for participating and uh, being willing to let us into your cars, your homes, your uh, smartphones, your hearts, your heads, your souls. We really appreciate it. Take none of you for granted. It's a privilege to be here with you. And uh, I take it all very seriously, as I know you do, too. So thank you. Um, I usually close with uh, with something a little uplifting, but let me just complete the thought of this uh, this this thing that what I was talking about with Doug from Carefree, Carefree, uh, which is the crisis industrial complex. It comes from Marx's notion of the permanent revolution. No rest ever. Marx, Marx famously, uh, well, for those who studied Marx, famously said, while the democratic petty bourgeoisie, that's kind of the lower middle class, not, not, not the lowest class, but kind of a lower middle class, what the democratic petty bourgeoisie want to bring the revolution to an end as quickly as possible, you know, people are tired of it. They want the revolution to end. He says, it is in our interest and our task to make the revolution permanent until all of what we have sought has been driven. All of those standing in our way for what we seek have been driven from their ruling positions and until the proletariat has conquered state power and the association of the proletarians has progressed sufficiently far that the competition between the proletarians of one country ceases in respect to that of the others. They're out for the world, folks. They're out for the world, and it means... No rest. And the media plays right into it, as does cable news, as does social media. They want the whole Megillah, not just criminal justice reform, not just COVID mitigation. They never sleep or rest and can never let us sleep or rest. Otherwise, there's nothing to actualize ourselves about. Another Marx phrase. At the end of the day, consider this. Why would you need to fundamentally transform something that's pretty good or okay or at peace or at rest or, for that matter, good or even great? And now you know they hate when we speak of the greatness of this country. It's the stumbling block to Marxism and fascism. God bless you all. Until tomorrow, I'm Seth Liebson, and class is dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.